0: I come back outside. Jinx is on top of the <clears throat> is on top of the fence. Jump when he sees me, jumps to the other side. <laughs> and then Salem quickly follows thereafter. So I grab Salem who has not made it very far at all and he just looks up at me and he's like, "Hey, what's up? This is me." Hey. And so, <laughs> so I grab so him, take him inside. I have to go out to the front yard where Jinx has finally made it. And he's meowing at me like um, i'm doing something you wrong you are
1: <laughs>
0: you are and he's like in the bushes of course so he's i have to in like crawl bushes. back behind the bushes and meanwhile he's like protesting wildly when i grab him he's like Again, ah! as you should you know like all yeah. upset at me and i'm like sir you are not where you're where you belong <laughs> you know what his defense mechanism <laughs> is when i go out like it- in the patio, hmm. and I'm like trying to get him to come back in, and I like chase him for a few minutes, and then he just lays down. Yeah,
1: yeah, he doesn't. I mean, what, what is kind that? of what work should I put in for that? <laughs>
0: That's, what is One. that zero? Absolutely not. That is not absolutely a defense mechanism not. at all.
1: <laughs> <That> is,
0: <laughs> you can eat me, coyote. It is. It is fine.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair, and I'm Kirsten, and we are mediocre, mediocre content. content. And we are so close to being done with the series, <laughs> so close, but yet so far, but yet so far. literally like g- galaxies away. Even <laughs> did you like that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> fine. In a galaxy far, far away, right? right
0: yeah Uh, yeah, right nice (laughs) but it's not because it's one it's it's our galaxy no that's right yeah
1: yeah Yeah. that's disappointing well I know um I have fun things to talk about really quickly
0: (laughs) oh good I'm so excited
1: I'm gonna let my inner weeb out for a few moments um so the beautiful social media platform that is TikTok right Mm mm-hmm it sometimes tells me about things in my area that I might be interested in doing every now sure. and then.
0: Right. As as a good algorithm does.
1: As a good algorithm does, yes. Uh, and about a week or so ago now, I received a TikTok video about this store called Arisu, and it's in Mystic, Connecticut. And basically, it's all you can dream of anime. And um, I got to go yesterday. <laughs> And it was wow. very fun. It was in the middle of this like village looking thing with other unique shops. They had, I had Boba for the first time. And? And? I hated it. Oh, God. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was Allison in Wonderland theme. And I mean, decked out. All of the drinks had themes that you could buy stuff like from the decor uh, it, you felt like you were in Alice in Wonderland. And if you looked through one of the photos, you could actually see through to the shop beside it, which was called Alice's Haunted Bookshop. And it was like, nice, you know, this very magical thing. They also had a store called Cloaks and Wands, which was decked out to be like... A mixture of harry potter Potter. um, Mm -hmm. lord of the rings was in there there was also um uh, the hocus pocus movie memorabilia stuff in there and they also were kind of a cafe where you could buy butterbeer like bourbon scotch and like you could buy drinks yeah yeah, was very cool yeah this whole little village in mystic and it was a blast it was very overwhelming it was very busy every shop had a theme we walked around as much as we could i got a lot of back sweat Um, but it was great overall had a great time good that's exciting yeah yeah we didn't experience all of mystic there's like an aquarium and a bunch of museums and like a whole downtown area we didn't even Uh get to go to it was just so freaking hot and humid yeah but do you know
0: about mystic connecticut being the like place for that movie called mystic pizza with julia roberts no i do not Okay, so it was a movie. I think it came out in the late 80s and, or early 90s. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's like a classic rom-com. Oh, and, um, And Julia Roberts, it's like her breakout role, I guess. And it's called Mystic Pizza because the main character works at the Mystic Pizza shop. And so it's based oh. in like Mystic, Connecticut. So it's like kind of a, a place for that. That's
1: adorable. Yeah. Uh, pe- there's lots of history, apparently. Of course, the algorithm is now just spitting out Mystic backs. So I haven't come across that one yet. <laughs> Yes. But I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> yes. Definitely. <laughs> but highly recommend it if you've never been. It was totally worth it and very fun.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely check it out
1: at some point. Have to I I've got to go back for the aquarium. I
0: really wanna go. Well, yes. Aquariums are always fun. I yeah. love aquariums. Um the Georgia aquarium has been my favorite one so far. Oh nice. Um it's giant and they have a whale shark. Ooh. Um and one of those big manta rays as well Ooh. that lives in the same tank as the whale shark. It's really God. cool.
1: I love a good stingray, man. They're like my uh-huh. favorite.
0: Yeah. Oh. I know. You like the sea flap flaps. I do. I really do. Ugh. Um, They're so soft. What was I going to say? Oh, I really want to go to, speaking of like northeastern mm-hmm. towns. Yeah. Um, I really want to go to Salem, Massachusetts. Yes. Yes, I need Especially to do that. Especially around. I'm sure it's very crowded around in like October Halloween yeah. time, but, but it
1: is on my list of yeah. things that I want to do. You have to. Yeah, I have to. This is going to be the, I've decided this is the season, you know, it is the season Tis the season and it's our last one here. So I got to make the most of it. <laughs> That's right. You've got to check the things off the list. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I checked that one off before we left. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's all I had. It was very fun. (laughs) Shall I disclaim? (laughs) Yes, please. Disclaim away, friends. All right.
0: Just before we get started, we are not experts on anything. If you have come to this podcast to get any kind of life advice, any kind of advice, really, um, we are not the place for that. (laughs) But um, we are the place to learn about things that you may otherwise have not learned about. So... Um, we encourage you to listen and take everything with a grain of salt. And that's that's the disclaimer.
1: That's great. You did a great every time you just do an amazing job with that disclaimer, man. Thank you Um, so much. And you're also in charge of good news this week, which is exciting. I am. Yes. And uh, I will yeah. say
0: it is science related because like so much good news comes yeah. out of science. And I just, there's nothing else I can do about it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> You're just going to have to deal. <laughs> I, there's only so many like heartwarming grandma stories that you can like.
1: <laughs> get. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good grandma, but. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in this first article um, in Arlington, Virginia, they are Ooh. building farms out of old office space oh um so arlington virginia is very close to dc um it's part of the metro line in dc so it's very close um and it is a busy area and not the kind of place you'd expect to get farm fresh produce but Mm -hmm. um area two farms is growing greens, herbs and root vegetables in a vertical farm thanks to the absence of traditional office tenants.
1: I love that. Oh my yes. god. Yes.
0: Yes, with high-rise office space remaining vacant even after the end of the pandemic, landlords are open to ideas. That's amazing. I know. It's going to it's and it gets better. Jackie Potter and Tyler Barris um pitched the idea of indoor of an indoor farm. And it was obviously a good one because Area 2 is already well established in the Arlington area, such that they offer a subscription of delivery of fresh vegetables to fellow urbanites starting at $40 a week. Mm. Area 2 farms use a sophisticated conveyor belt system called a silo to cut down on the more laborious hours of indoor farming. It is not a hydroponic system. There is soil, so they can grow root Mm -hmm. vegetables like potatoes, carrots, radishes, etc., um when executed correctly vertical farming can produce as much as traditional farming but with a lot less space and no concern over weather or pests nice nice obviously as well as it as well as it can be done in the center of a city where land is at a
1: premium that's literally it's like those um urban gardens as well right which yeah is fantastic. so fantastic
0: i think I don't. Did I do that story or did you?
1: I I can't uh, remember. I think we've each done something around it.
0: But yeah, this whole yeah. like idea of urban farming is like it's huge so right now. But. Yeah, which and is great. I know it's yeah. perfect use of space. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, Sierra Sierra O'Brien at Modern Farmer did some research in an article covering area two farms and found that. of the office space in the U.S. is unoccupied, and that by 2030, about 30 million square feet across the country's cities will be simply obsolete because of the companies that couldn't make it out of the government-enforced or voluntary closures of their businesses during COVID, coupled with the fact that many more people are content working
1: from home. Yeah, there's a lot of themes. I know that when we were kind of at that tail end. People were like, oh, we're going to make people come back. But people are not going back. And these offices are just kind of going belly up in general because it's too expensive to keep the lights on at this point. Right. So this will be great if we could use the space somehow.
0: Absolutely. I think this is a perfect use of space. I mean, we we always need food to yeah. feed people. Obviously. Eat, like yeah. Healthy, you know, yeah. good food. Um, <clears throat> And the other thing is, is like, Although the Midwest farmers and, you know, the rural farmers do a great job, yeah. um, it's always good to, like, have new sources of food. And plus, yep. sometimes, like, things go wrong in terms of, you know, the climate that year or, you know, bugs. Yep. It just happens. Know. So it's good to have other, diversify your sources, I guess, is the best way to put it.
1: Well, also, if it's in the city, they don't have to worry about paying high shipping costs or import or export costs because it's right there. So right. they have access to it where they are instead of having to ship it from the West over. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely.
0: Yes. Um. So my second one is about the Olympics coming up next year. If you didn't know, um, the 2024 Olympics are being held in Paris, which is super fun. Fancy. Um, it's really weird because I went to Paris in 2017. It was like such a long time ago. 2017, I think. Yeah. And there were already signs for the 2024 <laughs> Olympics. They in plan there. ahead, man. They do. Well, you have to with all <laughs> yeah. the structures and everything you have to build. But um, so spectators of the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris will be watching the aquatic events from the seats made out of plastic collected in recycling bins from around the area.
1: Fancy. <laughs>
0: in fact, 80% of the 100 metric tons of plastic needed to make the seats came from a single neighborhood in which, which is also where it's being processed into new material by a firm called Le Pavé.
1: I don't want to poo on that. That is horrifying to know that almost all of it came from a single Uh city.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. It is collected in the uh, Sin St. Denis, shredded and shredded in Sin St. Denis and processed in that area as well. All for a swimming pool that is all all for a swimming pool that's still in the area augustin jacklin co-founder of the lemon try the company which collects the recycling told euro news wow <clears throat> numerous tests have been carried out on the chairs this this i thought was funny which include <laughs> uv resistance fire resistance and toxicity but also mechanical resistant to test to see how well they maintain anchored to the floor <laughs> Their persistent rips to tear it off, perhaps by a drunken, angry, angry spectator. Look,
1: you got to test every scenario. I get it. That seems very viable. And honestly, I think more stadiums should do it. (laughs) Can you imagine? I can't. I mean,
0: honestly, though, knowing the game of soccer alone, and I don't know if soccer is in the summer olympics actually but like people get really riled up about they do so i mean i don't i mean america's known for that like (sighs) we have you know how the super bowl went down honestly
1: every sport event even the most basic yeah yeah
0: so well marius hamelot co-founder of le pavé I love saying that. It sounds so fancy. It's French. Uh, Everything
1: sounds fancy. I knew you're, you're
0: so right. Um, said that in the lead up to the Olympics, manufacturers have been encountering problems getting a hold of new plastics. So they switched to using waste streams. One rich vein in particular was soda, soda bottle tops,
1: mm-hmm. of
0: which 5 million were shredded by various companies looking to produce infrastructure like seating for the Games. Wow. This is a huge communication tool, says Augustine. Um, when we tell ch- children to come and put your bottles in the bins and tomorrow there'll be seats for the Olympic swimming pool, it raises awareness.
1: Okay. I can so, see that.
0: Yeah. Paris yeah. and France at large have set ambitious um, targets of sustainability for the games, hoping to reduce the downstream emissions by half compared to the 2012 and 2016 games. Mm. But their approach isn't only about carbon. They're also trying to advocate against general environmental degradation with a flagship effort to make this sn- the,
1: yeah, the sin swimmable. Water. Yeah.
0: Um, for the first time in many decades.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. It's like between the sin and I think they were I don't know if the Thames is as bad, but mm. their their river systems has been very polluted over. Yeah the centuries so the way that the article described it was
0: ecologically deadly in the mid 2010s however tests from august and july of last year have found the water quality overwhelmingly good
1: Good. making parisians
0: realize for the first time in most or perhaps all of their lives they can swim in their own river again
1: i also know that the like this is all good news and I know that there's um, videos now out there about, you know, like they're like, you want to see the real Paris and they like pan from the oh, I know. Eiffel Tower and there's like trash and stuff. Some of that has to do with the dis- unrest happening and so people are yeah. just not doing it because they're going against I mean, they're rioting and like well, and I, from lining. what I
0: understand too, there's like strikes going on too yes. from, for like um, underpaid workers so Correct. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of that
1: Right, so some of yeah. it is i mean unfortunately some of it is probably real like it's just unfortunate but also the other half is there's a lot going on in paris right now so this is great news
0: when i went we definitely were in more of the touristy areas yeah but it was still really beautiful the architecture there is it's immaculate i'm sure and um like we went to the notre dame cathedral before it caught fire which Um, is so sad so sad but like it was it was beautiful. great. It was beautiful. Uh, and, you know, we sat on the river and had lunch, and that was fun. And <laughs> the water didn't look like super great, but it's not like I was trying to swim in it anyway. So.
1: <laughs> it's not like you were just going to go for a dip, you know? Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Come out with like nuclear waste or something. She's glowing. What is
1: this glowing? <laughs> She's <laughs> leaving with the taste of Paris. <laughs>
0: oh my God. My real souvenir.
1: <laughs> uh, superpowers. <laughs> Honestly, not the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. And that's the good news.
1: You did great. Job. I love that. It's sciency but also culturally very interesting. Yeah. So, I like it. Um all right. Well, you know what's next. This one is no no we've we've (laughs) thankfully gone past that we are now in in, in neptune which for all intents and purposes we're just going to say from venus to earth's twin neptune is uranus's twin um and if you didn't know uranus had a twin now you do uh it's it's the more sophisticated twin i would say so um (laughs) (laughs) significantly less hilarious to talk about but it's okay (laughs) we'll take it so we're talking about Neptune today. Uh, it is the eighth and most distant planet in our solar system. And you might be going, uh, excuse me, Kirsten, that is incorrect. Uh, Pluto is after Neptune and that's pretty dang far. Don't worry. I'm going to get there. Okay. Don't worry. It is more than 30 times as far from the sun as earth is and is the only planet in our solar system that is not visible. By the naked eye so that's fun times and um in 2011 just to set the stage for how crazy this is neptune completed its first 165 year orbit since its discovery in 1846 i don't like that at all <laughs> we're starting off like on a good foot <laughs> i
0: <Certain strength. laughs> so so if you were born on neptune correct. in 1846 you'd only be one year old correct and some change
1: and some change. Not wow. great. I don't like that at all. Mm-mm. This is great. Nope. So uh, let's talk about something a little bit lighter. We'll talk about how it was named. Uh, it is uh, the first planet located through mathematical calculations and uh, using predictions made by Urbain Le Verrier, Johann Gallet. Or Gaille, not sure, discovered the planet in 1846 and then was named after the Roman god of the sea, as suggested by Le Verrier, which I think is great. Cool. And also fits the theme, obviously. I agree.
0: I'm glad I'm glad they didn't try to name it after another monarch. Oh my
1: god, I know, right? Poor Uranus. Just let him be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Its distance from the sun is also astronomical and makes me want to cry. It's over two billion miles away from the sun, or Four billion kilometers away it's very far mm-hmm. um, but also keep in mind that may or may not be its largest or shortest distance um because of its orbit, which we'll get to. Its one-way light time is about 248 minutes, which is around four hours. Also Mm -hmm. insane. Again, that's just how long it takes for the sun to hit the planet. And Neptune so far from the sun that high noon on the planet would seem a dim twilight to us. The warm light we see here on our home planet is roughly 900 times as bright. As sunlight on Neptune, just to give a little comparison there. So you're
0: not getting sunburn on Neptune. Absolutely, is what you're telling not. me. Okay,
1: no, you would have a better chance to get a uh, um, a moon tan on Earth than you would a sun a tan on tan. Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that?
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say a moon burn, in which case.
1: <laughs> I feel like it would be really hard to burn with the moon's light, You're though. Right. You'd be You're sooner right. getting a tan.
0: <laughs> or or on Neptune, since it's so cold, it's an ice planet. So you could yes. you would get a, a, fro- a frost burn, a freezer oh, burn. A
1: freezer burn. <laughs> the whole planet <laughs> is just a giant freezer.
0: <laughs> that's pretty accurate. <laughs> what am I trying to say?
1: Frostbite? Frostbite. That's what I'm trying to say. A <laughs> uh, 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 freezer burn. Like I'm a steak at the back of your freezer that's been there since the '90s. I mean, it's
0: <laughs> two billion miles away. So,
1: yeah, that steak's living in a different universe. At the back of the
0: solar system. <laughs>
1: the back of the sol- Somebody go throw that thing out, will you? <laughs> it's definitely ready to go. <laughs> um. So. As, as we stated prior, one year there is 165-ish Earth years or 60,000 Earth days. Also not great to think about. Uh, the length of one day, though, is only 16 hours. So it is less than our day. And it is Ice Giant number two. Uranus was number one. This one's number two. Um, it's about 80% more uh, then the planet, so the planet's mass, it's about 80% or more made up of hot, dense, fluid materials, water, methane, and ammonia. So they're now in their liquid forms, your favorite. And Beautiful. above a small rocky core uh, and of the giant planets, Neptune is the most dense. So the other planets are whatever they are, but this one is very dense in its icy form. hmm Uh, Scientists do think, though, that there might be an ocean of super hot water under Neptune's cold clouds. It doesn't boil away, though, because of the high pressures that just kind of keep everything locked in. So that's nice to think. about. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Steamy.
0: (laughs) Steamy indeed. It does
1: have rings also. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say it gives me Iceland vibes. Oh, yes. Where you have like those hot pools Mm -hmm. of water. Anyway.
1: Like the geysers. No, like, uh, um, like they the springs.
0: have the the hot springs, yeah. In Iceland, Ooh.
1: yeah. I bet that's nice. I'm sure it is. I'll have mm-hmm. to uh, add that to my list. Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to go experience that. Um, it strangely does have rings. Again, I feel like every planet that we discuss that has rings that isn't Saturn is just an enigma to me because it wasn't ever really taught in schools. <laughs> but right,
0: well, and I feel like Saturn, you can like see it right and that's why you it's know. prominent yeah yeah.
1: but just so you know obviously there's other planets that have it neptune is one of them um but what's interesting about its structure is that it has five rings but then four ring arcs and those are different so starting near the planet and moving to the outside the main rings are named gale Laverrier laselle arago and adams which seems the most out of place like one of those things doesn't belong here situations
0: i love i don't know how to pronounce that but if it is gail i love that for them i hope Um, so
1: it might be galle also
0: g-a-l-l-e for the listener but (laughs) gail
1: becky (laughs) linda and adam (laughs) like that's what we got i like it um and they are thought to be relatively young and short-lived the difficulty though is there are also these ring arcs which are peculiar clumps of dust and there's four uh in total that are prominent enough for us to name uh, I'm going to give you the English names. Just know that these are also named not English, but this is what they mean. Liberty, equality, fraternity, and courage. I mm-hmm. don't know why they're named that when we have Gail and Adam, but that's what that's what we have. Um, And the arcs are strange because the laws of motion would predict that they would eventually spread out evenly instead of being clumped together like that. However, they think that there are gravitational effects of what is called Galatia, which is just a moon in the inner inward ring area that would actually be stabilizing these arcs. So one of its moons essentially has enough gravitational effect to sort of create additional rings but it's just like half of one four times, which is also conceptually interesting.
0: I feel like our moon is just weak sauce.
1: <laughs> <laughs> our moon can't level All up. All these to other wo- moon.
0: moons out here possibly have life and are, you know, <laughs> just having a massive gra- gravitational pull. And meanwhile, our moon is just a rock that's just there. Rude. <laughs> and it doesn't even rotate or anything. <laughs>
1: A minute it rotates in time with us i'm pretty sure
0: no but i mean not on its axis like it just stays facing us i love
1: you so much
0: did we not do a moon episode
1: i'm pretty sure i'm upset I don't know. you're insulting our moon you take I'm that sad.
0: back I- just saying it's not as cool as everybody else's moons
1: to be fair though the planet that our moon is now associated with and in terms of grandeur ain't that great either so from the moon's perspective it's like well it could be over with jupiter but i'm over here (laughs) with this crazy planet you know just saying true could be doesn't matter (laughs) you're right because this one's got 14 which is also strange. I forget how many did like over 80 Jupiter had like over 80 moons or something like that. that. Insanity. So fourteen ain't really that much, but one definitely doesn't compare. Um, Neptune does have a larger moon compared to all of them called Triton, which I think is appropriate given the planet's name is Neptune. It's kind of fits. I,
0: you know what? I think that's appropriate. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, well named. (laughs) It they was, were really
0: using their brains there they
1: were they were like oh it's it's king Neptune. he needs a trident
0: <laughs> i think so
1: discovered uh, october 10 in 1846 by someone named william lassell just 17 days after Johann gale discovered the planet itself and again that's where
0: gale comes that's from. that's where it
1: comes from and lassell um, and um also lavarier or Lavarier or something, mm-hmm. but they also, the, their name was in there as well for one of the rings. Sure. Um, and since Neptune was named for the Roman god, its moons were named for lesser gods and nymphs in Greek mythology, which again kind of checks out, keeping the theme strong.
0: We like the theme.
1: <laughs> Triton is the only large moon in the solar system that circles its planet in a direction opposite to the planet's rotation. However, it is That's consistently nice. in a retrograde orbit. <laughs> going against the grain i like it Mm -hmm. um which does suggest though that it may have once been independent of neptune and was just captured in its gravitational pull uh triton itself is extremely cold with surface temperatures around minus 390 degrees fahrenheit or minus 235 celsius And yet, despite the deep freeze at Triton, Voyager 2, which is again one of those spacecrafts that was pushed out into the universe for us to gather data with, uh, discovered geysers spewing icy material upwards uh, more than five miles or eight kilometers high. Incredible. Wow. Triton's thin atmosphere, also discovered by the Voyager, has been detected from Earth several times since, and it's growing warmer, but we don't know why. So... Weird.
0: <laughs> I like that Triton has stuff coming out of it because yeah. like when Neptune yeah. uses the Triton,
1: there's
0: yeah. you know, lightning Magic. or whatever comes out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool. It's nice. We're also gonna gloss it, over the fact it's slowly getting warmer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't care about that. That's fine.
1: <laughs> it's spewing geysers and that's cool. <laughs> I mean that's probably due to the warming, right? On its own planet?
0: I guess so if it's getting warmer like it when you said it's growing warmer I imagine like the core is getting warmer yeah like it's getting warm from the inside out yeah but like why you know nobody's
1: that well I say nobody's there that might be a lie
0: we don't know what the we don't know what the composition of trident is triton is
1: that's true other than icy it could geisers. be warm
0: on the inside we don't know it could, could be like be. one of those like molten lava cakes you know <laughs>
1: warm you cut into it just yeah. oozes out <laughs> right yeah it's triton delicious <laughs> we don't know it <laughs> could be a treat um all right what neptune looked like though let's talk about it <laughs> its radius is four times wider than earth which isn't as much wide as jupiter is comparatively but it's still pretty wide it's got about a 15,000 mile radius or 24,000 kilometer radius times it by 2 diameter there you go orbit rotation uh could be a little scary though and this is what i was talking about when i said that it was the furthest planet in the solar system so strap in sometimes neptune goes even further from the sun Than Pluto Mm. does. Pluto is highly eccentric, oval shaped orbit, can sometimes bring it inside Neptune's orbit for a 20 year period every 248 Earth years, which is a long time, so it doesn't happen frequently, obviously. Um, but this switch in which Pluto's closer to the sun happened recently from 1979 to 1999, but Pluto uh can't ever crash into Neptune, so that's good to know uh because for every three laps Neptune takes around the Sun, Pluto makes two. so they just won't ever be close enough for that to happen um And this repeating pattern will also prevent the approach approaching of the two bodies to each other, right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> which is hard okay but it's it's very close (laughs) Neptune's axis of rotation is tilted 28 degrees with respect to the plane of its orbit around the sun so similar to Mars and Earth and this does mean that technically Neptune would experience seasons like we do however since its year is so long each of the four seasons would last over 40 years apiece also horrifying to think about so can you imagine like a 40 year summer (laughs) Maybe that's what we're in. We're transitioning into a 40-year summer. (laughs) Stop it right now. Existential crisis coming.
0: I. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you're only really, like, the average lifespan of a human is, like, about 80 years or so. And, Mm like, so you'd only experience two seasons out of the four. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. God, imagine Ugh. if the only
1: season you ever got was fall and winter. I'd be well, so think sad.
0: About, think about it this way, which is, I think is the most trippy. It's okay. like, so your parents yeah. experience a whole different two, yeah, not a whole different two seasons, but at least one different season than you. So they don't know what to expect for the, for the next season.
1: Yeah. They have no clue. And there's That's- nothing that can teach. Like no one can teach them because nobody's lived that long unless you're between seasons somehow right
0: so there would be some A like handful. overlap I think yeah. but it would but be still, weird
1: it would be weird wouldn't it can you imagine oh. being born on the first day of the first new season <laughs> horrifying
0: everybody panic everybody panic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, but I also
0: feel like it's probably gradual just like everything oh yeah know.
1: yeah uh, well I don't know I say that it's pretty it's, it's pretty extreme on this planet still <laughs>
0: I know, but it takes like a million years. A million, years. not a million,
1: but like a long ass
0: time. <laughs> it is a long to get ass time from one to get one rotation. So no, you're right. and, You
1: know, right, I don't know. Right. It's I just know. horrifying. In either either way, no matter how I, you say it.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. it's weird. I don't.
1: Mm. Um. We are going to talk about your favorite thing about these planets, though. It's kind of the same old tune in that, mm. uh, of course, similar to others of the gas and ice giant types, doesn't have a solid surface because its atmosphere is hydrogen, helium, and methane. And it extends to great depths, gradually merging into water and other melted ices over a heavier, solid core with about the same mass as Earth. Its core core is about right. the same mass as earth
0: okay and then so, it's got a bunch of gas around it
1: yes very gassy <laughs> mm. ew um atmosphere hydrogen and helium with a little bit of methane like we just said Um, and its neighbor uranus is a blue green color due to such atmospheric methane however neptune is more vivid because there's some unknown component that is causing its color intensity. So it's just something we haven't discovered yet. But if you look at the two, Neptune is far bluer.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like light blue. It's really pretty. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Weather system is crazy. It has uh, the windiest winds in the entire solar system. And despite its great distance and low energy input from the sun, because, again, what the sun does other than light is heat things, so it's so Mm. far away it can't accomplish that – but despite that, Neptune's winds can be three times stronger than even Jupiter's and nine times stronger than Earth's. And these winds will whip clouds of frozen methane across the planet at speeds of more than 1,200 miles per hour or 2,000 kilometers per hour. And even most uh, even the most powerful winds on Earth have only hit about 250 miles per hour or 400 kilometers per hour. So it's insane. This causes, though something that we did see on jupiter so the big red spot or great red spot Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it that was like the hundred year old storm that just keeps brewing um yeah there is something similar that was on neptune as well and it was spotted in 1989 they create they called it great dark spot at the time and it was large enough to contain the entirety of the earth um this particular one has since disappeared, but new ones are starting to appear on different parts of the planet. So nice. Yeah. So it's kind of like Jupiter. High winds are creating these giant storms and creating them visually for us to see because they're so freaking big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo. Um, similar to its neighbors it does also have a magnetosphere the main axis of neptune's magnetic field is tipped over about 47 degrees compared to the planet's rotational axis and so like uranus whose magnetic axis is tilted 60 degrees from its axis of rotation neptune's magnetic sphere undergoes wild variations during each rotation because of its misalignment and this magnetic field is about 27 times more powerful than that of earth's so exciting times yeah indeed um so now that i have officially frozen your brain i say we take a break i love that
0: thank (laughs) you so much
1: you're so welcome (laughs) we'll see on the other side
0: hello this podcast is sponsored by the tooth fairy santa the easter bunny dracula the keyboard elves jack frost bugs bunny winnie the pooh bigfoot and the loch ness monster
1: thank you for your continued support if you are interested in sponsoring mediocre content please contact us by owl or seance no but really though you can contact us at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com on twitter at mediocre squawks or instagram at mediocre content podcast. also if you like these fake ads or if you're sick of them and want real ads rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts
0: now back to the show
1: Welcome back everybody. We are going to continue our traverse through Neptune. Um and as always, I just want to say uh potential for life is usually the question that comes up none. after all of that. <laughs> the <answer laughs> there is, is none. None. It's too extreme as usual. I feel like once we got past um Earth, it was kind of like, well, some things could or like well some of the moons could as far as we know they have not uh confirmed nor denied that even the moons could technically provide life as we know it so right. we also just don't know enough about it in terms of the planet itself though absolutely not yeah <laughs> yeah we'll just move on for that um also as usual the formation information it's it's basically the same so basically what they say is four and a half billion years ago when gravity pulled swirling gas and dust forward and became the ice giant like its neighbor it just happened to form uh originally apparently closer to the sun and then moved outside of the solar system four billion years ago and that's where it currently resides which is interesting uh now that i'm thinking about it because i think the process of moving to us sounds like oh it was here now it's here but that is a gradual process (laughs) and i think sometimes um a concept i haven't really considered until i was doing this research and really thinking hard on the movement of things i have to imagine that if a planet started four billion years ago at a certain distance from the sun and is now at its current distance from the sun four billion years later um That could cause a lot of changes, not just on the planet, but on the moons themselves. And that perhaps what is being experienced on other planets uh, as a result of that movement. So maybe it was conducive for life at a certain distance. And then as it slowly moved away and got that further and further away, now it is the way it is now because it doesn't have that same contact with the sun.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah just something I thought about it did. What me- if, what if I have an, I have an idea for a sketchy life crisis movie. Oh, um, great! <laughs> what if like, cause on the clock of like all mm-hmm. time that we know human life is only like 11 59. Right. To midnight or something like that. It's like really small. Yeah. So what if, We're just a number, like a civilization, like one of many civilizations that has been Mm -hmm. able to be birthed because we have been close enough to the sun at this particular moment in time. And all of the other planets also went through this cycle and just got
1: pushed out. Think about Venus, right? You know, think about Venus and, um, you know, that's not to say, I, if I'm not mistaken, technically, uh, there is studies where it's either the moon to the earth, the earth to the sun, the moon to the sun. There's something, there's movement away. Right. Um, right. And so it's also interesting to think, what is the next quote? earth planet that is going to be talking about earth the way that we are now about venus and mars and neptune and all right. of these other planets that right. may or may not have gone through this cycle already picture existential dread <laughs> yes i love it it's just a tiny speck <laughs> so i'm going to leave you with that in terms of formation hopefully it sits well <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it will
0: <laughs> postulating about the universe with Blair and Kirsten.
1: <laughs> hey, we've been doing this for like, what is it? Eight parts so far. I know. It's gotten worse every time. <laughs> uh, okay. Exploration. Um, so Galileo recorded Neptune as a fixed star during the initial observations with a small telescope, because remember, Neptune cannot be seen through the naked eye. It requires tools Um, So in 1612 and 1613, Galileo said, that's a star with his telescope. More than 200 years later obviously the ice giant neptune became the first planet located through mathematical predictions rather than regular observations of the sky and that's because uranus didn't travel exactly as astronomer astronomers i do that every time astronomers, astronomers. <laughs> expected to and french mathematician Urbain joseph Verrier, who we talked about in its discovery um proposed the position and mass of the unknown planet that could cause the observation changes to Uranus's orbit, which we know Neptune's is kind of crazy and Pluto's kind of crazy. So that kind of makes sense that they would then need to use math to discover that. Uh, he sent his predictions to Johann Gale at the Berlin observatory who found Neptune on his first night of searching again in 1846, which is 17 days later, uh, Uh, or 17 days later, um, Neptune's largest moon would then be discovered as well. Triton. So
0: basically, we're just they're they're saying this should be here based on math and then we look and it's there. A magic. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: (laughs) They're like, something's up with Uranus and they're like, well, we got this star that Galileo talked about and they're like, math? And they're like, math! And that's just kind of how it happens. (laughs) I like it. Space math. Space math! (laughs) If I didn't like math before, I definitely would not be into space math. (laughs) Well, and I imagine it's
0: like some physics, too, because you're dealing with like gravitational pulls and stuff like that. So it's
1: orbits and like Uh. praying it's in eyeshot when you look for it, I guess.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's only a few people who have really high powered telescopes. That too. So I feel like you kind of have to work with the telescope people and be like, hey, you could probably see this if you looked for it
1: <laughs> well also think about the type of telescopes they were dealing with it was 1846 i know Hubble I know. wasn't even a thing you know, I like, know. <laughs> that's even more aggressive like look through here and hopefully you find something good luck <laughs> you yeah. know um so, more than 140 years after that, in 1989, NASA's Voyager 2 became the first and only spacecraft to study Neptune up close. Voyager returned a wealth of information about Neptune and its moons and confirmed evidence the giant world had faint rings, like we discussed, like the other gas planets. And then, of course, we introduced Hubble Space Telescope power, and that was fantastic. And... Um, they also gathered more distant planet info. So here's what we got in terms of significant events then. 1612, Galileo incorrectly records Neptune as a star, so that's exciting. But again, used a small telescope because you have to. 1846, officially discovered as a planet as well as its moon Triton. 1983 pioneer 10 crosses the orbit of neptune and becomes the first human-made object to travel beyond the orbits of the planets of our solar system and this spacecraft in general remains on a trajectory to the red star aldebaran in the constellation taurus and is expected to pass by in about two million years so we got a little bit of time for that didn't really give (sighs) us a whole lot i know (laughs) (laughs) we're on track we're on track (laughs) In 1984, astronomers, i nailed it, uh, find evidence for the existence of the ring system. 1989, Voyager 2 becomes the first and only spacecraft to visit Neptune, which passed about 4,800 kilometers or 2,900 miles above the planet's northern pole. 2002, using improved observating... Wow, observating improved observing techniques. Astronomer. Really I got astronomer and then beefed up observing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. Uh but they discovered four new moons orbiting the planets and named them uh, I'm not Lao Media, Nesso, Sao and Hellamede. Mm-hmm. I think I did pretty good. Can't say mm-hmm. astronomer or observing, but I nailed that. Two thousand three, another moon, uh Samantha, is discovered using ground-based telescopes. Two thousand five, scientists using the Keck Observatory take image of the outer rings and find that some of the rings have arcs, uh, or some of the ring arcs have deteriorated. So that's the other thing. There's ring arcs that are also falling apart. However, as we also discussed, they're only being held together by the gravity of a of a moon. So that would make right. sense.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if
1: they just fell apart at some point. Um. 2011, Neptune completes its first 165-year orbit since its discovery in 1846. Exciting and horrifying. 2013, scientists discovered Neptune's ring arcs in archival Hubble Space Telescope images and finds that a previously unknown 14th moon uh, of Neptune provisionally designated S2004N1 for obvious reasons, because it's, I guess... From two th- I don't really know. It, it's I'm sure it's got reasons. Uh N is Neptune. And yeah, that's that's all I got for that one. Okay. 2016 scientists using the same telescope discover a new dark spot on Neptune. Uh, the first new atmospheric vortex since the 21st century, which we talked about, the great dark spot. So this was the next one to come and become visually on the planet that we could now see. Um got it. And that's it. I mean, we it's just incredible when we talk about these planets that just get further and further. There's less exploration happening, less we know about formation, less that we uh, discover often. Because you have to think, it went from like the 1800s to the 1900s. And then from 1989, nothing happened until 2002. And even then, it was just to discover that there were more moons associated with it. So it wasn't even like neptune planet in general related (laughs) right so i
0: mean it's hard to get there though you know Uh, what i mean
1: like it's yeah
0: you know it's yeah overwhelming it's yeah
1: i can't imagine being a scientist and going okay we have to get to neptune uh so number one it has to last long enough to get there uh number two it has to be uh resistant to a lot of potential issues gravities and gas i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um and then it also has to dodge moons asteroid belts multiple rings of other planets that are in the way that may far outreach <laughs> the fringes of where this is going to get yeah. to there like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's immeasurable well obviously not because people are doing it but in my mind it's immeasurable it's
0: it's a lot to consider i think mm-hmm. and i mean there's tons of people working on this so i don't think it right. it's not just like one guy in a room
1: <laughs> can you imagine just steve that would be, down the hall
0: <laughs> that'd be a, a punishment for sure Ooh, I would quit. Um, <laughs> benefits had to be this good is, this is steve <laughs> he's working on
1: our next voyage to uh neptune and that's literally all he does <laughs> For his entire life, and then he passes it on to Steve V2. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insane.
0: Um well, The other thing too is like this one, uh, like Voyager two. You said, uh-huh. or wait, is it Voyager? Yeah, 2? it's
1: Voyager two. Yep. Uh,
0: nope, that's not the one I was thinking of. Oh, the one that's, that's gonna reach Pioneer ten. That's Pioneer supposed 10, to reach. Yes. Uh, one of the. Stars in the constellation for Taurus in yeah. 2 million years like that's gonna happen a million mm. years from now if yeah. that yeah
1: we the, yeah no nobody here will be there at that time right
0: <laughs> slash like so they're just handing it down yeah to like the next guy and hoping for like that millions <laughs> of years
1: Hopefully, there's not like a like a, a an issue with recording, you know. <laughs> and it's only
0: gonna pass by. It's not even gonna go there.
1: No, it's just waving and then uh, circling Exploding? the universe. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> it's Purposeful explosion. You got me. Also, what is the gas mileage
0: like on <laughs> this thing? <laughs> That's what I want to know. First
1: of all, why have we not integrated this into modern vehicles? And right. s- <laughs> second of all, what is it?
0: <laughs> right. Like that's yeah. wild to me. I don't
1: Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> Pioneer 10 is what we wish all current vehicles were. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I made it all the way to the Taurus in two million years. What did you do this week? You exactly. Know? Right. on one tank
0: can you imagine the day that it, like nobody knows about this and like can nobody you imagine knows. the day in two
1: million years yeah that it gets there i mean if it gets there if 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 is good mm-hmm. yeah i feel like you gotta you gotta if a lot of these things <laughs> it's
0: true you're right you're right
1: uh well that brings us to the end of neptune uh we basically only have pluto we'll we'll circle back to earth after pluto and then we'll talk about our beautiful boy the sun and that will end the solar series for now obviously if there's things like galaxies or other topics that i feel so inclined to bring the series back with i will or that you, know you I guys want to hear about fair enough um then we'll bring it back after we're done with the sun but obviously we got essentially three more episodes of this left which is uh, wow, exciting times um, but that does bring me to this if you do have other galactic topics you want us to hit on with this series or otherwise or other things that we haven't covered yet that you think would be interesting we want to know about it uh, so let us know at our gmail mediocre content podcast gmail.com you can tweet us if you want So uh, mediocre squawks Instagram, Mediocre Content Podcast. We are now on the TikTok at Mediocre Content Podcast. (laughs) We're doing our best, okay? Um, Yeah. And most of what's on TikTok are part of our live stream. So if you haven't checked us out over on Twitch, you can do so at twitch.tv backslash, you guessed it, Mediocre Content Podcast. And we are there bi-weekly on Thursdays. Uh, 3pm PST 6pm EST and I think 11pm BST so I got that great metric for you now Um, yeah Uh, rate us 5 stars I guess wherever you listen to podcasts if you want to do it we will cry otherwise and I don't think you want that so (laughs) (laughs) just put that in your pocket okay (laughs) I will cry (laughs) real human tears Um, and now that you're filled with guilt We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.